Hello and welcome to Clear Out. I'm your host, Nihal Qatar. As always, I'm joined by my brother, Sahil. We're here recording on Wednesday, November 9th. And Sahil, do you know what today's the anniversary of, NBA-wise? Um, I, I mean, I'm sure it's many things, probably, but uh, no, I'm not sure what you're sure. referring to. Well, we're Bucks fans. On November 9th, 1989, the Milwaukee Bucks defeated the Seattle Supersonics 155-154, to in a five-overtime thriller. Did you know about this game? I don't think so, no. It's a crazy game. You should look up the highlights. Ricky Peters scored 36 for the Bucks. He ended up playing on the Sonics a couple years later. And Dale Ellis had 53 for the Sonics in 69 minutes, the most amount of minutes ever played in a single NBA game. So Is that the only five-overtime uh, game? I That, I don't know. I know, I didn't the Pistons beat the Nuggets like 183-180? I just remember I that was like a fourth grade. Yeah, that was a fourth overtime Something like that. game. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, that was, you know, that I remember in, in fourth grade in Mrs. Rothman's class, it was on the board for like high, we had, for some reason, we were showing the highest scoring NBA games. I think it was some trivia thing we were doing. Um, but, <laughs> All prepared you for this moment. Anyway, exactly, exactly. Anyway, I uh, just wanted to open with that, that fun fact. Uh, obviously, you guys will probably be hearing this, not on November 9th, but... Um, that's the day we're recording, so I thought I'd bring that out. We are back for a, another episode of Clear Out here. We're going to be reviewing our Hidden Gem of the Week from last week and picking a new one. Before that, we will be talking about three teams. This week, it'll be the Warriors, Raptors, and Nuggets. Um, but before that, uh, a couple of quick news items I wanted to touch on quickly. The Nets have hired Jock Vaughn to be their coach full-time. Um, he's no longer has an interim label attached to him. Uh, they've been playing well recently, so uh, I guess it makes sense. Still a little premature for me because I mean I don't know. Maybe 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 giving him some certainty will help him, and they can just play out the season. Um, I know we didn't really talk about this beforehand, but what are your? Do you have any thoughts on this? You don't need to. I mean, it's not really that big of a deal. But uh, the news just came through uh, like an hour ago, so thought we'd touch on it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he, what he does uh, specifically. Um... What, what he can change uh, versus what Nash was doing there. Um, maybe take the burden off of KD a little bit, who's had who's had a pretty strong start to the season. But um, it'll be interesting just to just to see what they do with all their pieces going forward. Um, yeah, I mean, it's good that they're playing a little bit better. And like you said, it'll certainly give them certainty. And hopefully he can put his stamp on the team uh, by the time, uh, I mean, for their sake, by the time the playoffs come around. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're only a game and a half out of the sixth seed, which, I mean, they've only played 11 games, so th- that doesn't mean much. But it's, um, I mean, they're still right in the thick of things uh, in the East. The other piece of news was, this actually was two weeks ago, so it's not really news, but we didn't touch on it. I don't know if you saw this, but Mark Stein reported that Adam Silver said that the NBA was considering relegation to the G League to prevent tanking uh, from NBA teams. Uh, uh, Silver came out later and said uh, he maybe wasn't seriously considering it, but still, that was something they're discussing. What is your reaction to that? I read that today, and I was like, what the heck? Relegation in an American league, like a franchise league? That's crazy. That would be wild if relegation came to basketball in, in the U.S. quicker than it came to soccer in the U.S., but um, I right. I did not see that, but that is very interesting. I I don't exactly know how that would work because the the draft would I mean would they just make the draft completely random at that point or would they... 
Will they get rid of the draft? I don't know. Maybe maybe we just have academies and, you know, no salary cap and we start having transfer fees and, the, you know, just go the whole nine yards. Well, in some yeah, in some ways we are moving towards that with, you know, the G League Ignite system and then you have... Uh, the FA, we have the FA Cup. Lowering the, <laughs> the Commissioner's Cup. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the new tournament they want to institute, the... Uh, the, you have more international players like soccer. It's right. becoming a more global game, and um, they're they're already thinking about lowering the draft age to eighteen, just straight up. No, no one and done required. So, uh, right. yeah. Oh, well, and just to be clear for those of you who don't know, because I guess we shouldn't assume relegation in uh, soccer and in, in many soccer leagues around the world, the bottom three teams in a league get bumped down to the league below. Um, so, I mean, there's a tiered system in, in most countries for, for soccer leagues and the top three teams usually get promoted from, from the second division. So, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why that wouldn't happen in the NBA because the owners bought into the NBA, right? Without into a closed system, without knowing that relegation was an option. And I'm, you know, NBA teams are just worth a lot more than G League teams. Also, G League teams are affiliated with NBA teams. Like, it would be weird to have the Bucks and the Herd in the NBA at the same time. I, I don't, I mean, you have to completely restructure how two way contracts work and all that sort of thing. So, um, I just thought that was interesting. Uh, but let's move on to the teams we're talking about. The first team we are talking about today is going to be the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors are currently four and seven. They won recently. Steph Curry scored 47 points in a win. Um, so that's pretty exciting, but they have not gotten off to the greatest start this season. They're four and seven. I personally am not worried about them. Are you worried about them? Um, I would say I'm not worried about them. No, because I think when push comes to shove, they're going to lean a little bit on the players who they know are going to fit. Now they did lose two players in Gary Payton and Otto Porter, who were important parts of their run last year. So you think that some extra minutes are going to have to come from somewhere at some point. They're going to have to figure out new things. But at the very least, we even saw most recently in the Sacramento Kings game. I mean, this has been a, a you know a, a much discussed on Twitter and by Warriors fans. But James Wiseman got a DNP in that Kings game, and he was just not fitting in. Um, his pick and roll game, his, his like like his idea of wanting to you know roll all the time to the basket or receive the ball in the post. Uh, it's just not really the Warriors' style, and that clash was, I think, kind of becoming obvious. And that's not even to mention on defense, his drop coverage was just really poor, um, and he couldn't really get on the glass and get any rebounds, so they were giving up a lot of offensive rebounds when he was on the court. Um, lots of untimely untimely turnovers as well. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that James Wiseman is a bust or that he's going to forever be bad, but I, I think it's clear that for a team that's contending, it's hard to see him being able to help them this year. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you touched on a lot of good things there. Also, Moses Moody has been in the rot- rotation. He, To my mind, he hasn't played that well, especially on the defensive end. And I think that's been a really, that's been a big issue. I mean, I think uh, they, this, the Warriors lost a game recently where Steph and Clay shot 15 for 30 from three. And, you know, you would not expect to lose a game like that. I think a, a, a big issue. I mean, like you said, they lost Gary Payton, they lost Otto Porter. Um, you know, they've also they've also had a lot of injuries, but those two guys haven't uh, really played that well, as you said. Wiseman is probably going to be out of the rotation. Steve Kerr said explicitly that the rotation is going to change. That probably means Jonathan Kaminga is going to get more minutes, so we'll see how he does in in there. Um, you know, Dante Divincenzo has only played three games this season. 
Jordan Poole has been way more inefficient than he was last season. That's something definitely to track, and I don't expect that to keep up. That's that's part of the reason why, also. I think it's not a huge issue, their record right now. Um, I I think Jordan Poole is going to pick it up. He may not reach the levels he was at last season, but uh, he's not playing very well right now. I think that'll change. They had a four-game road trip where they went 0-4. They're 4-1 in their building and 0-6 on the road. Um, So, I mean, I think... Some some of that just is their schedule, their, their, their record, um, and that was just kind of a bad stretch for them, and it all coincided into a perfect storm of them being currently 4-7. and seven. Uh, But, I, you know, I, the Warriors, they won the championship last year. They still have one of the best five or four players in the league in Steph Curry. Uh, but, you know, it is interesting. It is definitely something to track. Maybe Otto Porter and Gary Payton are much bigger losses than we anticipated, especially on the defensive end. We knew they're good defenders, especially Gary Payton, but uh, maybe people weren't considering how important they were on that on that end of the floor. Yeah, I mean, I think it com- it's coming through with a lot of those bench units with Jordan Poole and um, James Wiseman, who, like we said, might not be in the rotation going forward. But yeah, Poole, you mentioned him. It's still early, but he's been pretty disappointing so far. Can't get into a rhythm, not shooting the ball well from deep. Seems like he's either pressing sometimes or too passive. Kind of, it, kind of weird for a player who was so electric last year. I still think he's uh, he's going to be fine. Um, and it remains to be seen whether he'll be like in every game, um, every playoff game, thirty minutes type player. Because we saw in some matchups last year, he he did not play as much because they were they were losing the minutes he was on the floor in many cases. But you know they did give him that extension, so eventually you hope that he would be able to play kind of regardless of matchup. Um, Yeah, I mean, one good thing that I feel like has carried over from last year is Andrew Wiggins. I think he's been very good, at least offensively. I think he's still thriving in his role there, picking his spots well, can get you out of a bad possession with a bailout shot, um, hitting some turnarounds, some ISO jump shots, can get to the rim a little bit, just doing a little bit of everything offensively when needed. Defensively, I don't think he's been quite at the level as last season. But he's still taking on tough matchups, so you have to give him credit for that. But um, yeah, I, I it's tough to kind of pinpoint exactly what's going on defensively. Um, but I, I, you know, I think Draymond still, for the most part, has looked like Draymond defensively. I think Jermichael Green has looked a little slower than than we expected, and he's actually one of the players that got a, a DNP against the Sacramento Kings as well. Um, but I think a big issue, and you know. This isn't normally an issue when the Warriors are winning games, but they're turning the ball over a lot, and they always do this though. But it's not a big—it's not as big of a deal. But when you're only 12th in offense and you're not doing other things well defensively, those uh, turnovers are going to lead to transition buckets, and it's going to—it's going to make—it's going to be a problem when you're in close games like this. And we've seen that a lot this year. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know another thing that was interesting i was watching the heat game that they played um in the fourth quarter the heat switched to a zone and and for the entire quarter the warriors only scored 15 points and i think that could be a really interesting wrinkle that other teams might follow to play the warriors this season um you know draymond effectively said that the heat were were hiding their players They're, they're they're not great defenders were able to hide in the zone um, and I think that's sometimes that's a testament to maybe some of the offensive deficiencies of some of the players on the floor. I mean, to have a really great zone breaking offense, it's really nice if all or most of your guys can shoot. Obviously, they have Clay Thompson, Wiggins, Poole, Curry, but when you have like 
offensive zero <laughs> offensive players that have zero effect on that end, like Draymond Green. Um, that might make it tougher on everybody. I mean, it does make it tougher on everybody around them. But all that to say is that's it's also something to track. If the zone is going to continue to work against the Warriors, or if that's something that they can adapt. You would think with all their off-ball movement, they could get around it. But, um, you know, it, they did win the title. We often see that teams really game plan for games against the, the defending champion. So uh, it's going to be tough for them all season. And you said, you know, you're not... 100% sure why there, there have been those struggles on defense. Um, and, I mean, I think there are a lot of factors. I don't – Draymond is not the issue. Um, I mean, Wiseman just seems disinterested. Whenever – I mean, you said he's out of the rotation. We'll see if he's completely out of the rotation. But he just seems disinterested on defense. Yeah, he Again, may like, I'm not. I'm not 100% sure. But just in the last game he was. So we'll see where that goes. Right, exactly. Um, and, and, again, like, uh, Moody just also looked kind of disinterested and not – um, didn't really know where to be. I mean, disinterested is harsh because I don't know the motivations of these players. I'm sure they're interested in winning. But what, what I mean is they just maybe look a little bit lost on that end of the floor. So, um, I, again, those are those are all things that I think are correct are correctable and game-planable, if that's a word. So I, I, I really I think they'll start to improve. They do have a, uh, a bit of a tough stretch here. They play the Cavaliers on Friday, um, and then they play the Kings and Spurs decent teams and then they have uh, the Suns so um, you know the next four games they play two really good teams and also the Kings and Spurs so it's conceivable that they lose you know all of them it's also conceivable that they win all of them that's kind of just where the Warriors are at right now yeah it, it, it really is a tough a tough season to explain so far um, I, I think like you said you know they weren't able to make the zone pay with uh the shooting in that game and i mean part of that is clay thompson like he's his shooting numbers are really bad he can't hit a shot right now i think he's actually moving pretty well like he looks he looks like he still has a burst and the gravity is there so i think for the most part you know that's in most matchups teams are still going to worry about him but he's got to hit more shots for this um for the uh for this offense to get to like a top 10 level like we know they can be and he's still getting to looks that are very makeable and you still feel sort of surprised when he misses um, I mean, it's Clay Thompson, so I'm still trusting him to hit his shots eventually. But with between him and Jordan Poole, you're you know that the, the, you could make up some points there and get from maybe the 12th in offense to the fifth in offense. Now, an interesting thing this season is that they are taking the most mid rangers in in the league. So actually, when you look at their shooting numbers, they're actually shooting decently from all over the court, but. When you're giving up rebounds, you're losing the possession battle due to rebounding and due to turnovers, and you're taking a lot of shots from the mid range. Then, like even if you're hitting your shots, I guess you're 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 making it harder on yourself, right? It's you're not not it's not just about making shots; it's about losing those possessions and not getting the most efficient type of shots. So, I mean, and and this is all glossing over the fact, and I guess more concerning that Steph, he's been phenomenal this season. He's been absolutely ridiculous, like. He's taking care of the ball better than he has in years. I mean, I think, excuse me, the best I think he almost ever has when you factor in that his passing has also been phenomenal and his shooting is lights out. You know, we, we, we've seen him, like, wherever he shoots the ball on the court, it just feels like it's going in this season. Even towards the end of that Kings game, he had to hit a huge step back three to take the lead under two minutes. He had like three or four key field goals down the stretch there and a beautiful off the glass mid range 
shot. Um, so it's 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 a, it's a little concerning for Warriors fans that you know Steph can play as well, and you can have these type of results. But at least that's that's something that you're you're not expecting to go away anytime soon. But uh, you know Steph Curry being phenomenal. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it is really interesting. I, their their biggest problem right now, to me, I mean, just in general, like like I mean, we've sort of we've been talking about it, but it's, it's their bench, right? I mean, you look at you look at Steph Curry, Wiggins, I mean, Kevin Looney, Draymond Green, and Clay Thompson. You look at their plus minus numbers. Steph is plus twenty eight. Andrew Wiggins is plus twenty five. Looney's plus twenty seven. Draymond's plus twenty. Clay's plus twenty two. And then you can imagine. All their bench guys. I mean, Jordan Poole is minus thirty. That's crazy. Yeah, no. I mean, Steph's uh, Steph's on off numbers are ridiculous. I mean, yeah, like you said, that that starting lineup with Draymond and Looney has been really, really good. In fact, th- I guess the more concerning part, and this might be a lot because of playing in less switchable lineups in the wing position and the perimeter positions, the lineups with Draymond at the five are not doing well. Uh, on either on either end of the uh, the court, really. So that that is concerning because you always want to have that card to go to. It's a card that Steve Kerr's had ever since he took over as head coach of the Warriors. So um, that's that's a little bit concerning, but um, I I do think they'll figure it out. Again, they could make a trade. I mean, they have young pieces, they have contracts, they have and uh, they still have picks. So I th- I think if you're 500 around the trade deadline, and I I. I not even 500. If you're, let's say, only winning at like a 55% win percentage or something like that, maybe maybe you think about uh, getting getting a new piece in there. Because, you know, one thing that we didn't mention is Gary Payton, so important defensively, but also he was a really good roller for this Warriors team. Um, and he it's not like he was always looking to score. He could kind of get above the rim, but also he could play make out of those roles um, when he got, when Steph Curry got trapped. So, um yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I, I said I wasn't worried about it, but the more I kind of talk about it, they might need to, you know, things need to fundamentally change. And, you know, I think we are both thinking that some things can be, can fundamentally change like clay and pool, but they might need to add some, some talent that you know for sure is going to perform those complimentary minutes around your star players. Yeah, definitely a lot of interesting things there. We will 100% be tracking the Warriors, as will everybody for the rest of the season. Hopefully, for our sake and for, you know, our preseason pick sake of Bucks Warriors, we both picked that, right? <laughs> um, hopefully, hopefully they turn it around. I think I picked the Clippers, but yeah. Oh, you might have. I, I love Steph, so. Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, let's move to the Eastern Conference and talk about the Toronto Raptors. The Toronto Raptors are currently 6-5. Um, and five. They're having a really nice start to the season. Uh, a lot of injuries, though. Pascal Siakam is out for two weeks. Scotty Barnes has been in and out of the lineup. Uh, and, you know, some, some other players have been hurt as well. What have you thought of the Raptors' start to the season so far? Yeah, I mean, it, it is a shame that Siakam went down with that right abductor strain. Um, like you said, he'll be reevaluated re- in about two weeks. Um, Siakam was just having an awesome season before his injury. It's going to hurt them a lot not having him. Um, he was averaging 25 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, and just looked like he was playing the best basketball of his career. Particularly with the ball, his playmaking was just immense and what they needed. He was navigating space really well on offense, just combining his tools a lot better than he has in the past. 
and he was one of their most dangerous transition weapons too um and he was hitting more off the dribble tough shots than i've ever seen him hit too so not mind-blowing efficiency for him by any means but he was the number one option they needed i think and um yeah it, it just seemed like he knew when to get off the ball too but also be the lead playmaker and it's just uh uh it's just, it's just a shame that he's out for a little bit because they they were off to uh a six and three start i think before he went out with uh became injured absolutely it transition transition offense is really important to this team this year in their six wins they're averaging 29 fast break points and in their five losses they're averaging 14.6 fast break points so that's a really important part of their game also oj ananobi i thought has looked incredible to start the season he's averaging 3.1 steals per game he's getting it done on the offensive end too I do think he does get a little over-aggressive at times. Um, a lot of late-game fouls when he's matched up one-on-one against other team stars. It happened against DeMar DeRozan. It happened against Luka Doncic. Um, so I think, you know, they're, hopefully he, he can take a step back and understand maybe some of the situational aspects of, of where he's at. Um, but he has been absolutely phenomenal on both ends of the floor this year. Um, and, you know, every time I watch Scotty Barnes play, I always think about I cannot believe everyone was just roasting the Raptors for taking Scotty Barnes over Jalen Suggs. Uh, what a fan, what a phenomenal pick, and, and not one that was considered the you know uh, mainstream idea of who would be taken at that position. Yeah, no, no one, no one should have doubted Masai when that happened, and no one should doubt Masai again Absolutely. because, as you said, that Scotty Barnes, he's just so so good and his his numbers aren't gonna like necessarily leave off the page but i just feel like he's using his strength well so well offensively in the post like i think he can use his physicality a little bit more on traditional drives to get to the line a little bit more but i just think he's finding a better balance also in terms of passing this year sometimes last year it felt like he was forcing a fancier pass when we didn't need to um but he's just so fun to watch in transition and he's just got a little bit of everything that you get so excited about what he can be um like yeah like he, he he's he, like he he bodied caruso recently when they were playing the bulls and then postered vucevic after a post up like it was just like i don't know i feel like he's a player that i still need to remind myself how good he can be because it's like he can do so many different things and there's there's a variety of different ways you could see his career going but you do know that like he's going to be at least an all NBA caliber player at some point. I, th- I think we know that much so far, but Christian Coloco has been super exciting. Their rookie from this year, seven one rookie from Arizona. Um, I've loved, I've loved his rim protection ability. The defense with him on the court has been really good. With Christian Coloco on the court, they're holding their opponents to ninety seven point five points per one hundred possessions. So he's been awesome. He had five. He had five blocks in the first half of their first game in that back-to-back against the Bulls. And he, he's cool to give you, like, you got all these rangy wings, then you just add a 7-1 guy who can really protect the rim traditionally. No, he's he has been impressive, definitely surprising. The Raptors, man, they just, they find guys. They have guys. Like you said, Masai is just not someone you should ever, ever really doubt. They're, they're an interesting case this season. Um, you know, they're not a super efficient offense. Uh, I think they're, yeah, they're 25th in effective field goal percentage, and they're also only 21st in opponents' effective field goal percentage. But what they do do is they force turnovers, and they don't turn the ball over, 
and that really helps their offense. They get a lot of offensive rebounds. They have the seventh highest offensive rebound percentage in the league. Um, and you know they they get also they get defensive rebounds. I think they're first through the fir- their first eleven games in in defensive rebound percentage. So um, that's really important when you're not playing a quote unquote traditional center most of the time. Absolutely, exactly, exactly. So they do a lot of things where you know uh, Nurse Nick Nurse is a great coach. He elevates all of those dudes. Um, it, it is, I think they are one of the most interesting teams that I've ever seen play like a sport at this level, an American sport, I should say. Um, cause I think the most interesting team I've ever seen is Leicester city, but that's besides the point. Um, because they, they play so well, they're so well coached. Um, they do things a little bit differently and they don't have a superstar. Obviously Pascal Siakam is great. Scotty Barnes is great, but neither of those guys I would say are superstars. Um, although Siakam may be approaching that, uh, I say that as if he's young. He's always he's way older than I. What is, is he? Thirty? He's thirty, right? Thirty-one. No, he's he's twenty-eight. I think. Oh, is he? Okay. Which is still a little bit older than people think. I agree. Okay, yeah. so now I went the other way, didn't I? I over. <laughs> yeah, you, you overcorrected. I, I, I overcorrected yeah. on his age. Okay, he's twenty-eight. <laughs> um, anyway, okay, so I mean, yeah, so I mean, he probably is who he is, but after, you know, after a couple, I don't want to say down seasons, but um, you know, he he really broke onto the scene with Kawhi. Uh, but you know, he, he didn't maybe make the progression people were thought. It's really nice to see him play as well as he has been this season. Hopefully, you know, it is only two weeks and he's back very soon for the Raptors. How's your, how's your boy Fred Van Vliet playing? What have you seen out of him? Yeah, I, you know what? I saw a tweet today and, um, I shout out my friend Hudson from Wisconsin but there was a friend like, what's the most random player that you've destroyed your opponent with in 2K? And I remember in 2K19, so before Fred VanVleet was like a starter, he, that was the year he eventually went on to kill our Bucks. But I, I are you going to talk about you? Yeah, are we going to talk about you using him in 2K and just stealing every inbounds pass? Is that what, no? Is I was hitting like off the dribble threes with him before he was doing it in real life. That's what true. I'm saying. That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, now now using Fred VanVleet's not interesting, but I was doing it in like no, I in like 2018. 2018. I, I remember. That's the reason why I knew who he was when he destroyed the Bucks in the playoffs. <laughs> I was already annoyed with the dude. I already disliked him because you were so annoying with him, and then he. I, he absolutely destroyed it. He destroyed us in the playoffs. So. Oh, come on. How can you dislike him? Undrafted. Is Hustin a listener, by the way? Is Hustin a, listen, a listener? He has listened. I don't know if he's consistently listening. Okay. I'll, have to, I'll, have to, well, got... I'll have to get uh, send it to him. Yeah. Is his handle Hustin from Wisconsin, or is that just – is that what you call him? <laughs> That's – no, I was just okay. – I was just okay. giving you context while I was talking about. Of course, you probably would have understood either way. Well, no, Regardless. I would. I would. Sure. <laughs> I was just wondering, you know, because that's a decent – I kind of like that. Um, <laughs> it sounds nice. Um, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, Fred Van Vliet, he, he's one of my favorite players to watch when he's not playing the Bucks. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I, I – if you guys, if you have not watched the Raptors, I would recommend it. They're a really fun team to watch. They are, they are, I think, oppressive. Even if the numbers haven't bore, bore it out in terms of field goal percentage yet, they are an oppressive-looking team. I, I feel like I would hate, if I were an NBA player, I'd hate to play against that team. Um, so they're, they're a fun watch for sure. Uh, you have any other thoughts on the Raptors? 
Yeah, I mean, like like you said, like they're they're causing the second highest turnovers in the league, and that's because of how their length and how much they're flying everywhere. Yeah. To answer your actual question about Fred VanVleet, I think he's really important to stretch the defense during post-ups and drives. Like he's he's that like dynamic shooter they need on the court. Um, it would be nice to see a bit more off-ball movement for him too to really get the defense thinking. But he's shooting forty-two percent from three this year, so that's working. Um, his lack of length around the basket has really shown up his entire career in terms of finishing. So I think that's just kind of an inevitable part of his game that's not really going to get there. But um, I I just really love, like you said, what Nick Nurse is doing with his team. It was interesting to see. So in two games when they were playing the Bulls in that back-to-back, DeMar DeRozan got nine shot attempts up in the first game and then six attempts up in the second game. <laughs> Talk about like wow. a Belichickian... <laughs> type of philosophy in a basketball game like that that's crazy um actually you know what that is a great and, analogy the raptors are very much like the especially this iteration of the patriots great game planning team not don't really have stars but uh, i mean on the defensive end at least um that's a really interesting analogy i like that nick nurse is is the young basketball version of bill belichick i'm not gonna say the basketball version of bill belichick because that's probably greg popovich i guess but um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, who knows? In twenty years, we could he could Nick Nurse could lead. <laughs> I mean, especially with the way their management Masai is putting together a team, like I could see this this run just like lasting forever. Did, did you see what had uh, the Raptors fans all up in arms on Twitter this week, or not up in arms, but excited, like salivating? Did uh, you see that? No, uh, no, I didn't. So, so uh, Serge Ibaka has a great show called I forgot what it's called actually, but basically he breaks. How hungry are you? Yeah, Is how that hungry it? are you? He had Giannis on, <laughs> and in one of the teasers for this season, he asked Giannis, "Are you are you going to play for the Raptors?" Then it cut out right before his answer. So, <laughs> we, we 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 know Giannis has a relationship with Masai, but you know on this podcast we don't talk about people that are four years away from leaving their team. So. This is true. This is true. I know Raptors fans really wanted Giannis, and I feel so bad for them. Not at all, really. Um, <laughs> uh, one thing Raptors fans aren't excited about, probably, is the amount... And they always give up threes, but they give up so many corner threes. I, th- I believe the most in the league, and maybe, you know, Nick Nurse can take a tip from, uh, you know, your guy Bud over in Milwaukee. And my can, guy? What? Can... He's your guy, too. <laughs> No, no. I didn't, oh, I didn't mean your guy. I meant, like, hype. I don't know. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, oh, do, you, do you not like Bud? What's going on here? No. Okay. No, no. I, I like Bud. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm... We're not talking about the Bucks. <laughs> We're not talking, about the, we're not talking yeah. about the best team in the NBA, but go on. But, yes, to, to further clarify that, the Bucks, as we talked about a couple episodes ago, you know, realized that, I mean, not realized, they have very unique personnel that's, very gifted defensive personnel, probably the most in the NBA, so they can get away with protecting the rim and the three-point line uh, at the same time. But maybe they could just try to give up a few more corner threes specifically. I think that's a good start because, you know, I get it. It's part of the defense. They're flying everywhere. They're using their length. They, they, they have people that can close out. But I just think giving up that many corner threes can sometimes be um, uh, to, to your detriment. Um I, I also, one thing I didn't mention about Scotty's game is that he's making 41% of his threes on higher volumes. That's really exciting. <laughs> like, if Scotty, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but, like, if he can get an off-the-dribble 3-2, and I don't see why he can't because he's got the mid-range game right now, um, and he's a solid free-throw shooter, 
that that's going to be really really exciting um yeah super fun team to watch as you said yeah for sure for sure definitely like i said a league pass favorite of mine all right let's move on to the denver nuggets the nuggets are seven and three uh they've had a really fascinating start to the season reincorporating jamal murray and michael porter jr um so being for them i think being seven and three is, is pretty good at this point of the season they have not had the hardest schedule interestingly coming into tonight they've played every team on their schedule twice except for the trailblazers they play the jazz twice the thunder twice the lakers twice and the warriors twice i don't know if i've ever it's always seen nice that. when the the schedule makers give us some easter eggs yeah exactly that's what we that's what we do here <laughs> um and i should mention all i think all three teams we're talking about are playing tonight so the records will be different by the time you're listening to this uh, the warriors are not but the other two are yeah. okay yes the warriors are not so um regardless those are the records right now wednesday night november 9th um so yeah i mean you know Nikola Jokic has not had the greatest scoring start to the season, especially by his standards. Um, so, again, I think that's another reason why I think this start is pretty encouraging. Bruce Brown, I think, has looked uh, – in the games that I've watched, I, I, I really I love Bruce Brown. I think he's a great addition for them. Um, and I don't know if you noticed this, but I was notice, noticing this while watching, so I went and looked, but – um, Nikola Jokic is having the highest turnover percentage of his career. It's always very high because, you know, he passes quite a bit. He's their facilitator. Um, but it's a full 2.2% higher than his next highest season. Um, so really interesting uh, on that. A really interesting nugget there. Get it? Um, but what are your thoughts on the nugget start to the season? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I did notice that with Jokic and kind of it kind of – it kind of shows a little bit because it's, it just seems like Jokic has been so deferential this season. Like he's almost trying not to score as well, much and get his teammates involved. Do you think? Which, by do, you the think way, has, do you think that's because of what we've seen in the playoffs? Like, do you think if this is like let's get the other guys involved? Um, so come playoff time, maybe we're more ready if a team is focusing in on Jokic. Well. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I might think that, except Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. are healthy this year, and they added Contavious Caldwell, Pope, and Bruce Brown. Like, you, like it's not even going to be the same players anymore. I mean, that's true. So, that's true. I, I mean, so I, I guess like what Jokic I'm saying— I kind of needed yeah. to be— No, that's true. That's true. What he was. That's true. Us, yeah. But, I mean, what I mean is it, it does seem a little bit intentional, right? Maybe it's not for the playoffs. It's just to get all these other guys integrated into the offense. Or it could be about management, right? That because too. Jokic just— yeah. A huge, taken a huge, huge load. Played so many games and played so many minutes, and had to carry. I mean, just it's just taxing to have to carry the team really on both ends for the past uh, couple of years. There, um, he's only playing thirty-two minutes yeah. a game this season, so that's lower than the last two seasons. So you're right about that for sure. Yeah, no, I think it definitely could be intentional. Um, but yeah, he still had some mind-blowing passes. He still just hits Jokic type type shots like. Uh, in a recent game, he was like, uh, end of the shot clock to take a t- uh, two-point lead, I believe, or uh, they were down two. Um, yeah, sorry. Jokic hit a key shot over uh, Jakob Pertl with a minute left recently against the Spurs in one of their back-to-back games to make it a two-possession game. So that so they uh, so they weren't down; they were actually up. But um, yeah, just super cool moments with Jokic in the clutch. But I do believe he's not looking his best defensively. But I trust him to get to that above-average level we've gotten used to. Um, it's also been good to see Jamal Murray starting to look a little bit better in the last few games. Like, the last two or three games, he's looked a lot better. Um, he's having an inefficient se- season on the whole, 
but I'm starting to see flashes of, of his ability as a scorer and his chemistry with Jokic. Like, that two-man game can be really, really dangerous. Well, but the problem is the defense, right, with those two guys? And I, I think that is something that we've already seen at the start of the season. I, to me, it, it's almost... Uh, we'll see. I mean, we haven't seen them play all together healthy, truly, in the playoffs. Um, so we'll see what happens. But their defense really does concern me. Um, they are obviously, you know, they are easing in and all that stuff. But, um, I mean, Murray, Porter Jr., and Jokic, it feels like that could be easy to take advantage of. Not easy, but, it, it, well, no, yeah, easy to take advantage of in the playoffs. What do you think? Yeah, and Bones, too, who's actually a huge part of this team. Yeah. And, and he's been super exciting on offense. Um, the, one of the games against San Antonio, he was absolutely ridiculous, making crazy plays in transition, crazy passes, hitting shots from all over the place. I be- Like, I believe, yeah, it was one of the best offensive games of his career. But he's part of a problem, which is their bench units are just awful. With Jokic off the court, and it feels like we've been saying this for for a long time now, but they're just not good. And DeAndre Jordan, who for some reason was a day one free agency signing, they're minus 11 per 100 possessions on. So they have to figure out a way to get those bench units moving on both ends, really. But as you say, particularly defensively, um, I think one way to get make them better offensively would be to stagger Jamal Murray more. Um, Michael Malone's never believed that much in that philosophy but it seems like at some point like you've gotta you can't just let these these units bleed points out there on on, on both ends right right no i mean the, the the bench is going to be a problem the defense is going to be a problem but the fact is this team scores more than almost anyone and they can outscore pretty much everyone they're scoring 117 and a half points per 100 possessions this season which is a ridiculous number their effective field goal percentage as a team is 59 percent I mean, if you do that, you're going to mask over a lot of your weaknesses on the other end. But it is just something that I'm a little bit concerned about. Like, right now, there are nine minutes left in the fourth quarter of the Nuggets-Pacers game, and the Pacers have 103 points. I mean, it's one NBA game, but it, it is it is a little concerning for me. It's actually very concerning for me. Bruce Brown can't do it all on that end, you know? Um What about Bruce Brown's shooting? I actually, I don't even have the numbers in front of me, which I'm mad at myself that I don't. But Bruce Brown, whenever I've watched him play this season, it seems like he's hitting threes. Is is that true? Or is that just my small sample size of watching the Nuggets? I think that's true. I don't have the numbers with me uh, right now. It's 2022. Right, sure. We do have that ability. (laughs) I know he's been efficient this year as a whole. And I like how he's even been getting some pick and roll reps. 41% from three. (laughs) Okay, that passes the eye test. Uh, and he's been able to run pick and rolls with Murray and Jokic on the bench. Now, again, like I said, I don't really want Murray and Jokic on the bench together that much. But defensively, like you said, he's such a threat off ball. Super, super fun player to watch and someone that's really honed on his game, like clearly. Um, right. it gotten better in all facets of the game every year. Um, but, um, so, okay, someone's name we haven't really mentioned. Michael Porter Jr. is one of the best shooters in the NBA. Yeah. Shooting 49% from three on over seven temps a game. You can't guard his shot. Yeah. Like, you, you can't. He, he is, he is, it, it, and it, it's so good if he can stay healthy to have a weapon like that around Jokic. Right. Well, you know, I did mention him. I was just talking about how bad he is on defense, but <laughs> you're right. You're right. He is, I mean, he is a phenomenal offensive player. Like, one of the more 
skilled guys, whatever the hell that means, but you know, the, the skill in the Hooper sense, I guess, um, in the league, uh, on offense, he's, he's incredibly fun to watch when they, I mean, when he's playing well, you're right. His shot is completely unguardable. He's what, is he 6'10"? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's 6'10". He can shoot from anywhere on the court. He's a three-level scorer. And, uh, you know, he, he his shot, he's even taller than Tatum, but it reminds me of Tatum. So I guess it reminds me of Kevin Durant, I guess, in the, in the sense that it's, like, <laughs> unguardable. I mean, you cannot, you cannot guard him at, at the jump point. Is that... Is that a, whatever you know what I mean? Whatever when he, yeah. he's jumping, he's impossible. When he's taking a jump shot, he's almost impossible to guard. Um, and that is, as we've seen, one of the most useful skills in the playoffs. And I know I keep talking about the playoffs, and I have said this before. I hate when we talk about the playoffs. Like we should just enjoy these teams. So I apologize for that. But the Nuggets are a team that we think are championship contenders, right? Um, and they they really need to take that next step. So that's why I'm talking about it quite a bit. But they are their offensive guys. Like I said, they're all if they're all clicking, it's almost impossible to stop them. Yeah, no, they, they are they are crazy. I, I love what Aaron Gordon has done this year. Like really on both ends, he's been one of the better defensive players to me. Um, well, yeah, by default, like, right? I mean, who else is there? Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, they have, they have KCP and Bruce Brown no, now, but like, yeah. still, that's not going to do everything. Right. So you're, I mean, you're right, especially for the starting lineup. Um, I mean, uh, but uh, KCP is in the starting lineup too. But th- those two are definitely your strongest defenders there. Um, but he's just commuting, communicating really well on defense, taking a leadership position there, and making good reads on offense and not turning the ball over. And he's a really good cutter for Jokic uh, too. But like you say, like, so if you look at the shot chart, where their opponent shots are coming from, it's not bad. Like, you know, you're kind of, you're not giving up too many threes. You're not giving up many shots at the rim. The problem is, is that you're allowing your opponents to shoot 72% from at the rim. And you can't have a good defense like that. And it starts, it's part of it's Jokic not playing as well on defense this year. But DeAndre Jordan is just not a good enough NBA rotation player at this point in his career. I, I'm, I'm I mean, sorry. Are, are you sure? <laughs> we got a coach fired over this. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Shout out Kenny Atkinson, who also didn't uh, didn't want to join the Hornets and stayed on the Warriors as an assistant. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, they got to be better there. But no, you're right. I mean, I do have concerns about this defense. I mean, maybe their offense you know, has to stay in the top five range for them to have a shot and a will um, at winning a championship. But I, I worry a little bit about this defense for sure. Michael Porter Jr., right when you think he takes steps forward, it seems like he takes, takes steps back defensively. Um, I thought he was better last year, but this year I haven't loved it. Um, yeah, so like I said, there's things Malone can do with the lineups, but maybe you can you might have to increase Jokic's minutes and usage a little bit because... Um, and the amount of shots he's taking, which, you know, is part of his usage, but, um, because, like, they've got to be potentially even better on both ends, and I think playing Jokic more might be an easy way to do that. Yeah, no, that's, that's true, that's true. I, you know, they're another, I've said this for every team, but they're another really interesting team to, to track and see where they're at. Um, I was a little, I was, 
just looking at their season so far, I was a little more concerned with them at the beginning of the season, but they seem to have figured some of the stuff out, and it's going to be a process. You know, you talk about Aaron Gordon, he got there, and then almost immediately, Jamal Murray got hurt. Uh, So we haven't really seen those four core guys that the Nuggets thought they would have when they made that trade. Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, and Jokic play together. So, I mean, this is really their first run of games um, in, in, in two two years, um, more than two years, that, that we're seeing that, well, two years, that we're seeing them play together. So um, it's going to be a work in, in progress for them. Uh, yeah, it should it should also be worth noting that Will Barton and Monty Morris were big parts of those bench That's units true. that have been struggling this uh, last year. So Bones has got a lot more responsibility, and I love watching Bones. Like, you just can't take your eyes away from him when he has the ball. I think he has good passing ability technically but doesn't always make the right reads or paying or like paying attention to open shooters but he is <laughs> he is so fun to well, watch and i hope they're relying on him a lot but right. uh he's gonna be an important well, it's season. funny that you say say that he he has a 33.8 percent usage percentage which is crazy that means whenever he's on the floor it's just it's him but he had he's the 11th percentile in assist usage so i mean that just tells you he has the ball in his hands. He's scoring, but like you said, he's not finding the shooters. He's not necessarily <laughs> passing out of it. Um, that's why I laugh when you said that, because like, or he's turning over the ball when he's sure. trying. Yeah. That too. That too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mean, he's at the fifteenth percentile turnover percentage, so not terrible. Okay. Right in the middle. Yeah, not bad. Right in the middle. Yeah, they, uh, the Nuggets aren't getting to the line that much either. That that makes sense given that they're kind of I, I, none of their players strike you as kind of a bruising presence going towards the basket. Um, uh, you know, potentially they can get to the line a little bit with just Jokic playing more bully ball in the post. Um, yeah, I think I, I think in the end, I think Jokic, this this this. I mean, and and I, and I maybe I'm overreacting, and maybe it doesn't really matter. And Jokic should play a little bit more differential, pass the ball more, take less shots. But I think that if he plays more minutes, they're going to get better defensively. If he takes more shots their offense is going to be even better because we've seen what peak Jokic looks like and they're going to turn over the ball less. So mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of think by it, it coming up here, we're going to start to see Jokic from the last couple of years instead of this kind of more uh, restricted Jokic. I really freaking hope so for the sake of my fantasy team. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I traded Jason Tatum and Anthony Davis. I mean, I got Tyrese Halliburton back too, so I can't really complain. Um, but anything else on, on the Denver Nuggets? Yeah, I guess I should just mention that KCP, I, I like, he's shooting 52% from three. Um, wow. Scary note for the Nuggets, actually, they're shooting 43% from three as a team, so that can actually go down. That's something to watch. Um, actually, not really, because we know it's going to go down, so it's not really something well, to Well, it's funny, uh, because I, I said Bruce Brown, he's, what, 41% from three? He has not hit a three. He's missed every single three in his last three games, so... And he still has that percentage. Well, yeah, I mean, it was only six threes, but still. Okay, gotcha. But yeah, KCP, like, he's been he, he's been really good on the ball defensively. Um, I like the, like the combination of, like, Bruce Brown kind of roving off ball and KCP on ball. But you're right, they got to get more contributions defensively from across the board. But I think he's going to be an important part of their team and, uh, and uh, in a lot of their closing lineups, if not all of them, come playoff time. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to last week's Hidden Gem of the Week. So our Hidden Gem of the Week is a game on League Pass that we watch that it's on League Pass, so it's not a national game, and it is usually going to consist of teams that don't you don't consider 
um, really as national teams that you'll see on TNT or ESPN. Uh, last week, we picked the Kings and the Magic. They played an absolutely phenomenal game. Um, the Sacramento Kings won 126. They beat the Magic in Orlando, 126-123 in overtime. A crazy, crazy end to the game um, where the Kings turned it over up by two with less than 24 seconds. Malik Monk threw it away. Uh, the Magic scored, and then with... Four seconds left, the Kings had the ball. De'Aaron Fox brings it up the court and hits a 35-foot jumper to ice the game. He ended up with 37 points on the night. DeMontis Simonis had 25 points as well. The birthday boy, Trey Lyles, had 15. Malik Monk also had 15. Paolo Banquero had his first 30-point game of his career with 33 points and 16 boards. Uh, Bull Bull had, an, had a huge game as well, 23 points. And Franz Wagner was absolutely phenomenal as well, 31 points, including... The final, or not the final, but six crucial points at the end of overtime there uh, to keep the magic in the game. But what a phenomenal game to watch. You know, that's that's what you get here at Clear Out. Our clairvoyance, our um, ability to know ball, as Ball Don't Stop would say. You know, the fact that, that the fact that we picked this game out is why you should listen to this podcast. Uh, we, we we're only picking buzzer beaters from, from here exactly, on out. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a clear out guarantee. But a lot of interesting stuff from this game that I was, I was noticing. You know, I talked about in our first episode into the season how Fox had seemed like he'd taken a step. I think this game was another good example of that, especially when it came to three-point shooting. I mean, he just looks a lot more confident. Um, the Magic were going under screens against him, uh, especially early in the game, and he was hitting threes. And, I mean, he just hits some tough shots in the paints. He, paint. he is so much fun to watch. I mentioned Bull Bull and Wagner being um, great. Bull, I mean, Bull Bull's shooting was really good. He His passing and vision, I thought, was really awesome. Um, so, and, and I think the biggest thing for me, my biggest takeaway from this game, is how crucial Wendell Carter Jr. is to this Orlando Magic team. When he was on the court, Sabonis had a really hard time scoring. And then when he was off the court, Sabonis had a field day. I mean, his numbers look great. He, like I said, he had 25 points. He was 10 of 14 from the field. Only 5 for 12 from the free throw line. Um, but it felt like when, when uh, Wendell Carter was on the court with him, he had a really tough time down there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um yeah, like Sabonis ended up with a, a super efficient game, but it felt like he was having a little bit of trouble there, and it felt like he was missing some some free throws in this game, um, which which could have definitely turned the game in their favor. Yeah, he was he was five for twelve from the mm -hmm. line. I, um, I said that, I said that. So, so I'm sorry. glad you're listening to me. Oh, <laughs> I, I I was really I was you know one of those going through my head. I was thinking about the Magic's length. And I was I was thinking about you know Franz starting Franz Wagner, Bobo, Wendell, and Paolo, and I was thinking, should I call them Raptors light? Does that make sense? Does, does, does are they uh, could they be, get there defensively? Are they as versatile as those guys? And you know I, I just took it too far. <laughs> but anyways, I don't know if you like that comparison. <laughs> I like it. I like it. But um. Like you said, I love the way Bull Bull just can kind of put the ball on the floor. Like, especially when the defense was disorganized, it was just felt like Bull Bull was, like, really taking advantage. Um, and there was a point in the game where Bull Bull and Paolo had back-to-back -back turnarounds. Like, this Magic team is just, it's just, they're just so fun to watch. Franz Wagner, 
absolutely like relentless going towards the basket and so crafty around the rim like he just has a bit of everything too he had some nice lob passes to wendell on the pick and roll just so composed like and we were talking about kevin horner in the, in the last game or in the last podcast he was three for three for six from three his movement shooting is really valuable for the kings sorry that was like a weird transition but just uh players that were both kind of high on uh showing up here yeah, for sure. I mean, Franz Wagner is just phenomenal. He was only one for five from three, which I think actually really hurt them in this game. He had a lot of, he had a few really great looks down the stretch in, in regulation that if he just hit what hits one of them, the magic, you know, they obviously win. Um, but he is so much fun to watch. The way he gets to the hoop, the length, like you said, I mean, he, I, sometimes it's just like, it's, he's kind of like Slenderman out there, just seeing his arms like around the basket um, like, I don't even, I don't even really understand it half the time. It reminds me a bit of Giannis, except on a much smaller scale. Uh, it's just like, how did, how did he get that shot off? How did his hands end up there? And then also, how did he finish that? So he, he is really, really exciting. Um, and this core, man, it's so, so cool. I, I mean, Wendell Carter Jr. for Vucevic, what a freaking steal. And they got picks back too in that trade, right? Yeah, multiple. I mean, that is just such a terrible back. trade. I, did we talk about that on this podcast, or was that we did, right? I, I or I think we so before last season we talked about the Bulls and we didn't like the Demar Derozan move, which we were wrong about, by the uh, way. Demar well, Derozan yeah, we were very wrong about last that, season. Yeah. <laughs> but when we were doing that podcast, we mentioned that we didn't like the. Bulls okay, so I was just te- I was just texting. I remember texting you about how mad I was that the Bulls made that trade because it made no sense, but. Like, in the moment? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Wendell Carter, man, he's he's so much fun. Franz Wagner, like I said, is great. Bull Bull has been phenomenal this season. And Paolo looks like the number one pick in the draft. And they still have Jalen Suggs there. Um, I mean, I, the game... Uh, you, were, you were telling me off mic, or off mic, yeah, that, that Jalen Suggs has actually looked really good this season. In this game, he was not great offensively. Um and, and I think in one other game where I was watching them, he he didn't look great. But I hope you're right because I really like Jalen Suggs, and he seems like he should be kind of like a almost. I mean, I don't want to say perfect, but kind of like a perfect point guard on, on both ends of the floor. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I what did you see from Jalen Suggs in this game, and, and do you think he looks better than last season? I guess that's that's what we're looking at right now. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think he looks better than last season. I think, like, at least the, there, he wasn't hitting his shots, but I think his off-the-dribble shot still looked smoother in this game, and it has through most of this season. And But you're right, though, that he's going to be really important for this team to provide some shooting around all that length and and to guard um, defenders or guard other players at the point of attack since he's their most important uh, guard. So I... I I, I do like what he's been doing, but you're right. He no-showed in this game. I mean, I don't want to say no-showed because I think he was still still had his moments and had seven assists. But um, he and uh, and then uh, Keegan Murray was also, like, he's had a solid start to the season, but he was not good in this game. Um, but, like, Paolo, Paolo is so good. Like, he is so good. In transition, he's so funny. He, there, there were, like, multiple poster dunks in this game. He had one, Andre Lyles, in the second quarter. Like, he, like, sometimes, I don't know, sometimes we, like, in the pre-draft process, we just focus on guys' weaknesses, but, like, and, and I don't, I, I don't watch that much college basketball, but, like, 
I feel like I can't believe Paolo wasn't getting as much hype as as I feel like he could have because he's just so polished as a scorer. Like it's so like like think about what he can do in a couple of years if he can do this right now. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. I I was a big Paolo fan. I mean, he was. I think he was the consensus best scorer in the draft. No, well, maybe not. Oh, okay, yeah. But, no, he wasn't the well. He was probably the consensus best scorer, but he was. Remember the well, the Magic. Everyone thought they were going to pick Jabari sure. first, and then they like surprisingly picked Paolo. Sure, yeah. but I mean, I think the point was Jabari is the more polished player who you can stick into your lineup right now. Paolo has a super high ceiling, um, and and I do think there is something to the way that Duke plays that maybe takes away from from some of these guys in terms of like you know the full arsenal of, of scoring that we can see. But no, you're right. I mean, he is just such a natural scorer. He is. Uh, I mean, I love watching him. I w- love watching him play basketball. Um, and the the Magic have a good, like, they have good young players. Like, th- they are not far away. We talk a lot about the Pistons. The Magic might be closer to being a good team than the Pistons are. I agree with that because I think they, yeah, actually, I think on both ends, you can make the argument that they're better than the Pistons. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it, it just seems that way. I, I just feel like I kind of trust their their offense and their defense more at this point in time um what really let them down in this game is if they hit a normal amount of threes in this game they would have won they, they shot 17 percent, and that was really a killer like you said you expect franz to hit more threes than he did um well but the but, thing is that they, they, they like, don't have great shooters they don't, but seventeen percent. No, that's I mean, bad. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> bad. No, 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 no. That, you're gonna you're gonna lose most most games. You're gonna lose if you shoot seventeen percent from three. But you're right. That's why there's so much pressure on Jalen Suggs, as I was saying before, to hit those shots, which he did not do in this game. Right. I mean, and you look, you just look at their inactive players too from this game. Jonathan Isaac obviously making his way back from injury. Um, you know, Gary Harris, Markel Fultz are gonna be non-factors probably. I mean, they have Mo Wagner and Cole Anthony as well. So I mean, they just have players. They have players, and they have tradable pieces there too. That I think um, they can even improve their team right away if they if they want to. I think Mo Bamba is a really interesting player that um, teams at, at the higher end of the table could want. So, um, and Terrence Ross still plays for the Magic. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> it's just incredible. I he he was one of my favorite players in college. I thought he was going to be just a superstar. Um, uh, I, I think it was I, I think it was him at, at Louisville or at Louisville. Sorry, sorry to all our Lou, Louisvillians. You know they say Louisville, Louisville. I did not know that. Not Louisville, Louisville. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, he he's one of those guys, man. I mean, people aren't gonna remember him, but he had a super nice uh, NBA career. So it's fun to still see him out there. You got you gotta appreciate those guys while they're while they're still in the NBA, you know, because. They're not guys we're going to think about. Um, you know, he, he didn't score in this game, but in the next game, he scored 21 points and was 5 for 10 from 3. So he still got it. No, yeah. Terrence Ross is fun. He's a fun, fun player. Um, one thing I liked... He went to Washington. For so the... I was thinking of someone else, maybe. Okay. Maybe you're thinking of Jordan Wara. <laughs> uh... <laughs> no. I, I, you know what? I think it was, Ter- I think it was maybe Terrence... Uh... Uh, you know what? It doesn't matter. Let's move on. <laughs> what were you saying? Sorry. Uh, well, one thing I enjoyed tactically from the uh, Kings is that I love Herter, like I said, as a movement shooter, and I think that works really well with Sabonis in the handoff yeah. game 
which I think he's uh, he's really well equipped to do. Fox, like you said, not just using his speed in transition, but using his speed to like change of pace, get to like a turnaround jump shot and like a fading mid range, which like you mentioned in a couple podcasts ago, has become a real threat. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's cool to see that stuff. Um, but yeah, I think the Magic probably wish they had this one back. They're up eighteen and a half. Um, just just kind of a, a rough off a rough offensive second half for them, but. Um, they've got to be excited about Paolo. Like, like, don't you agree that like Paolo is the type of guy whose scoring isn't going to be diminished much in the playoffs? Like, it feels like he already has so much in his bag, so many counters. Like, it just feels like he's gonna find a way to get thirty points in a playoff game. Yeah, and I, 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 I can't take credit for this this tweet because or for this thought because I saw this and I think it perfectly encapsulates Paolo. Paolo's bad games are also encouraging. Because it shows you how high his floor is. And then his games like this show how high his ceiling is. Um, and, I mean, we're 11 games into his career. He, he's going to be able to score for the entirety of his prime, uh, I think. And his shot's just going to get better. Um, even in college, I thought, you know, he looks like a natural shooter, in my opinion. Um, uh, so I think he can get there in terms of three-point shooting. But everything else, yeah, I completely agree. He, he's going to be able to... He's going to be able to, to do that uh, even in the playoffs. Well, that was a great game. Hopefully our next game will be will be as fun. Yeah. Uh, well, and the other thing I want to say quickly is he does get to the rim. I think he was fourth or fifth uh, in the NBA in terms of getting to the rim. So, um, or not to the rim. Did I say the rim? To the free throw line, I mean. Uh, he, he, well, those go hand yeah, in hand. Yeah, they do go hand so. in hand. But, yeah, so he only shot five free throws in this game, but – um, he, I know through five games he had shot, or through 10 games, um, he shot 77 free throws, I think. So, um, about eight, about eight free throws a, a game at this point in his career is, is really, really nice. And I'm sure once he proves that he's a star player or whatever, um, he will get that, that sort of treatment where he gets to line more. By the way, I was thinking of Terrence Williams. Um, I don't know if you remember him, but he, he was the Louisville player who I really liked in college. Um, gotcha. He ple- he pled guilty to um, healthcare fraud, so a couple a couple weeks ago. So um, <laughs> not the same dude. Didn't expect to find this out on the <laughs> yeah. Podcast. Not the yeah. same guy, but Terrence <laughs> Ross. You got to respect him. Um, all right, let's let's pick uh, the game of the week or the hidden gem of the week this week. We got some really great. Great league pass games. Again, where the Lakers are playing twice on national TV for some godforsaken reason. Um, we have some really nice options. So did you see any that you like? I think on Saturday, I like Saturday because it gives the listeners time. Um, There's a few that I was looking at. I mean, Brooklyn Clippers, I think we, we would roll out. Um, I like Raptors Pacers because we just talked about the Raptors. So, you know, people can get, get a chance to watch them. Um, but that also might be a reason to not pick them because we just talked about them, so we don't want to talk about them next week. Um, I think Jazz Jazz Wizards could be interesting. I haven't watched the Wizards at all, and they're five and six somehow. Um, por- Cavs Warriors is too yeah, high profile. Yeah, on yeah Cavs Warriors is too high profile. I think. Por- <laughs> Have we seen that one before in the playoffs or something? <laughs> exactly. Uh, Portland Dallas. I think obviously Luca's super high profile. Dame's super high profile. Um, but Portland, I Portland is a team. I'm not sure how many people are watching them, and they're playing another really good team. So that's another interesting one as well. What do you think? 
Um, yeah, Hubert, those are all pretty interesting. I feel like the Blazers and Mavs, we could get a potential, like, Luka versus Dame, like, both get, like, 40 points. Like, that could be kind of yeah. fun. I mean, Denver-Chicago um, like, on more... Sunday, too, is another option. But... Yeah, Denver-Chicago... Yeah, you know what? Let's go, I, let's go Mavs. I, let's go to the Mavs game. Blazers. I want to watch the Blazers. I haven't watched them much this season. Okay, sounds good. Saturday night, 8.30. Uh, try, if you guys, the listeners, want to um, join us in watching that game, check it out. Yeah, 8.30 Eastern. Sahil, you got to make sure that you... Sorry. You throw that out there. <laughs> um, not everybody was. Make sure your clock. You, you reset your clocks last last weekend. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure that just happens automatically these days. <laughs> um, are you even remember? Are you even old enough to remember when you had to turn back a clock, or have you lived with digital clocks your entire life? I feel like that expression was just always used, like turn turn back at the clock. Like it's still used. So like I. I, I know of that phenomenon, yes, but I don't actually remember people doing that. Well, yeah, you have to literally turn the the clock back. <laughs> yeah, man, kids these days. You know that the five, the five yeah. years between us makes a huge difference in terms of technology. I would say. Um, anyway, you gotta you know you gotta get on this podcast more and like talk down on me about like Prime Mellow and stuff, like players I, I didn't I, watch. I didn't get to watch. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you know who my favorite player was in, in the mid early mid-2000s? Besides Michael Red, obviously. Mellow? No. That... No. Oh, no, okay. You, were you not a Mellow guy? I was not really a Mellow guy, no. Um, um, oh, uh, Ray Allen? Well, well sure, or, 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 no. We're not counting, we're not counting okay. anyone who played for or used to play for the Bucks. It was, it was Chauncey Billups, which did not age well, but he, okay. he, was, he was one of my yeah. favorite players. Um, you know, we're from, we were from, or we grew up, we grew up in Toledo. We're from Milwaukee, but we grew up in Toledo. So, you know, Detroit was right here. They were really good. Love Chauncey Billups. So maybe, maybe, you know, you had a great idea. This will probably come in the off season where we go back and watch old games. Um, I think that's a fantastic idea, but one, we're probably going to table until the off season because we have a lot to talk about during the regular season right now as it is. Anyway, if you have any questions or thoughts on what we said, this was a very rambly and weird episode, but I enjoyed it. If you have any questions, make sure you email us at clearoutpodcast at gmail.com. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter at clearoutpod. Make sure you rate and review our podcast. Get it out there. Share it with your friends. What are you guys doing? Come on. we got to grow our follower base. What's going on here? Make sure you share it with your friends um, and tell them to ask questions. We love asking your guys' questions, uh, answering your guys' questions. Uh, but with that, we're going to get out of here. We'll see you guys next time on the next episode of Clear Up.